I'm Shannon Wong-Lerner, and I'm a communication specialist. Hi, I'm Onifa Harris, and I'm a voice coach. Together, we are creating a podcast called Ephemeral Voice Matters. And today, we're actually thematizing an episode all around practice, rehearsal, and performance. Welcome to Ephemeral. We're so glad that you're here to join us. we've been anticipating this one for a while even though we didn't have a lot of time to carry it out in the official sense Um, (laughs) but um, we've been looking forward to it for sure this is Mm -hmm. um, obviously one of our favorite things just because of the fact that we love performing and Mm -hmm. singing and we love sharing um, that practice with others so that they can become more confident in their practice of performing. And uh, recently I just really incorporated this into my actual voice um, studio because I there's just too many correlations with the voice and life that I could not separate them anymore in my studio and be authentic. So it's something that we talk about in my studio all the time. Um, I think, and then, so we are actually in my office, which is my sort of like learning studio. And I think also being a performer, it's something I always think about, whether it's, you know, consciously or unconsciously, I'm always thinking about it when I work with people, um, is what are these processes of, you know, practice, rehearsal and performance when people are preparing for something that even if I were talking about, it could be you know, personal, it could be artistic, it could be professional. And I mean, these things aren't necessarily separate from one another. I think it could be a combination of all of them. But one of the things that we're hoping to do today is because we're both, Manif and I are both performers, we're both singers and vocalists who have a lot of stage experience and teaching experience with people on the stage. So like when I taught at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, my classroom was actually the black box theater. So it was a stage. It was a classroom stage, which was amazing. (laughs) So yeah, so you're teaching, but then you're also bringing people up. You know, they either have written their own poems or short stories to adapt for the stage or they're using one that already exists. And so I feel like I really carry that because I did that for years. I carry that, those practices and kind of like the wonderful you know, becomings that happen with all of those students. It didn't matter if they were already performers and very extroverted or if they were very introverted. It was just such a wonderful process to see them unfold. And especially with that practice rehearsal performance, because, um, you know, it was, these were workshops. So they would actually work with me. They would work with each other and they would learn you know, I'm not going to just do this and be perfect. It's actually a process. And it is this process of uh, becoming this character, maybe, or if it was an autobiographical, becoming who I am. And that's, I think, also the way we cross over into another part we're going to talk about today, which is public performances, is how, how do you perform out in the public as a woman, as a woman of color, as a queer woman of color, in a way where you feel confident and, you know, you feel prepared. And so that's part of also what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's gonna be a lovely a lovely surveying of these three <laughs> possibilities so um first i'm going to get to tell you a great story uh, <laughs> so a great story a few of you um in this group might have been present for it um <laughs> playing out in my in real life irl um and while I do this, I'm actually going to be switching out a headset. So this will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many. Oh, go ahead. I was going to I was going to fill in space. Yeah, I can hear you. Good. So my story is about the first time I got a, a role with a name, as I explained this to <laughs> To Shannon, like, she's like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, it was a named role. It's like every other role up until then had been like, you know, and this is an opera, role just right? Where you do solos, right? So if, um, you know, in the beginning, they don't, they're not going to give you a full, uh, you know, you could just mess up the entire thing. So they don't give you <laughs> stuff at first. They kind of ease you into it by, you know, usually they're called choir. Um, choir roles or something like that mm. because you're really just like you're still in the choir and they, that's why they mostly want you there but <laughs> but you get to have like, a solo line at some point right mm -hmm. or even duets like small duets in some of the operas and um, this one was the first one that I'd gotten still a small role but it had a name I my name I had a name <laughs> And I was excited because I had a name. Um, <laughs> and so it was really the biggest opportunity I had up until then. You know, full opera with orchestra, costume, all that kind of stuff with a name. And <laughs> like what was so absolutely terrifying about this experience was that um, instead of like having the comfort of like coming out of chorus for like the two seconds that you do your line, um, I was on stage with the two leading characters. And so it was these two people that had performed at the Met more than once and like, you know, all of this kind of stuff, big deal people. And this is me, like my first role with a name. You know? mm -hmm. And I had to, and I not, didn't just have to come on stage. I had to climb stairs to get to the top floor of the stage because it's the top floor of the house. And I had to run down the stairs because I was announcing <laughs> on my first line. And so, and this is like a pretty decent sized house. So it was like, I was running across the stage upstairs, <laughs> like running down the stairs and then singing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so I, just before I had to go on that first night, I literally had visions of myself running, like just <laughs> like down the hall when I hear when I, when I hear you saying that I imagine like if you were nervous you would have this image that like you open the door and then like the door just like flies off <laughs> and then you then you go like head first just like sliding down, down the stairs <laughs> that was the image I would have if I had that uh, role <laughs> possible because it's opera right so obviously there's skirts there's like like other things going on which I was more used to I mean I've been enough at that point that okay, I'm used to the costume. I'm used to having to manage a big skirt. But yes. still, that's still, I still have to climb up. And I, sure. like, I was on the stairs before I was on stage because, um, you know, basically the stairs were off stage to get to the floor. Yeah. And so 
you know, it's all that stuff of like managing your breath and you, you know, when you have to sing, like it's not just online, I have to sing. Um, you have to, yeah. And so doing that from the fact that I had to run already, like I was, the point is to run on stage. <laughs> yeah. I was like thinking, just run the other direction, girl. Like whose idea was this? This is like, <laughs> who would do this to themselves? You know, uh, and what, what I, you know, really allowed me to get back to, to, okay, we're actually doing this thing. Like we're good. <laughs> the singing is happening. <laughs> um, was I, my breath is something that I do with all of my students. The first thing I teach and I like hammer it in with like a nice big block hammer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because it has been my saving grace. When I say my saving grace, I'm my saving grace. And that's my breath outward. So, mm. and so, like most of us practice in most of our first lessons, everybody talks about breathing in because you need breath. Yes, in. sure. But the reality is, is that if you have like all this tense breath, especially if you're super nervous, then you can't really tell if you're breathing in fully. You can't really tell. Sure if you're taking a full breath because you are just so disassociated because you're freaking out, you know? Sure. Um, so the trick of it is, is that you breathe out first and that motion in and of itself anchors you because your body automatically yeah. calms down. So your nerves automatically calm down. You can focus better, right? And then when you breathe in, there's plenty of space and air and it feels pretty natural because your body just wants air again. And, and there's actually a practice in yoga meditation that we do where you, where it's very similar. So like we breathe out and we actually, you know, can feel the diaphragm going in and there's a visualization that your body becomes compact. Right. Mm. And like, if you're sitting, you're like, I'm actually sitting in the, you can, you can see how I'm sitting, <laughs> I'm sitting in the, uh, in the partial Lotus, uh, cross-legged position. Well, now I'm in the Lotus, but there's this idea that, um, that your body becomes compact and then it's expansive when you breathe in. Right. And so I think, like you say, I think if you just focus, you know, breathing in and you're not getting rid of that breath first, you know, I think it's really important to do that for sure. Oh, like, yeah. cause that's the definition of hyperventilation. Honestly, mm. you're constantly breathing in and you haven't gotten rid of enough breath and everything gets really high and really anxious and perpetuates itself, right? Like that's, that's how hyperventilating happens, right? Mm -hmm. And so what they'll do is they'll give you a paper bag, right? So what's the point of the paper bag? Yeah. You have to fill the paper bag, right? The breath out, yeah? Yeah. So, um, and that's why it works, I suppose. I don't know, I've never seen it in real life. So. <laughs> well, I, I actually think about it even in terms of like something, you know, figural, like what is that old breath, mm. you know, in yoga practice, they have you visualize, um, like all the stuff that you don't want circulate, circle circulating in your head, like your inner critic or, you know, traumas from your childhood or things like that. I think when you get really nervous and you do get sped up, those things can just pop in and it really could freak you out because you're thinking like for you, you have your first like role where you have a name, you're an actual person. You're not just like village woman number one or whatever. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, know, you have a personality, you have a person, you have lines. 
as this person, as this role. And so, um, you know, there is that kind of like fight or flight response. And I think part of what Manif and I want to talk about today through stories, but also through the practices that we use in our lives. And then we want to help you with too, in the ephemeral community um, is like, how do you deal with that? In, in yoga, the visualization is, is it's exhaust. Ah. So like when you're, you're breathing in, you're breathing in what they call prana. So you imagine like green, yeah. like forest or rainforest, something that breathe prana that brings life and energy into you. And then when you breathe out, it's like uh, a tailpipe with the exhaust setting at the bottom and just kind of like floating out of you. Mm. So like one thing I think, you know, I think that's really cool about our podcast and the ephemeral podcast is we're not, you know, we're not trying to tell you or we're not sharing or stories about ourselves that we are some sort of pinnacle of grace or perfection. <laughs> like we know we are flawed. And even with the sense of what ephemeral means, that it means things are short-lived and they're constantly changing is how do you deal with that, you know, in your life and your practice, um, you know, in, in all of those like realms where we have to perform as women. It's like, how do we, how do you deal with that? What do you do? Right. Yeah. And I think part of what today is about is like sharing those tips, sharing our stories. Um, and then like what Manifa is talking about with opera, you would think, you know, opera, like, like what is that <laughs> for a lot of us? Some of us are connected to opera. I say like mo many of us aren't, but I would think, you know, like with what she shared with me and our connections that we've made, like with our scholarly work with yoga and opera together, um, you know, like that's one of the things we really want to share with you yeah. today is like, um, I'll just say one more thing. So like I had given a activity to a client of mine around uh, performing at work mm -hmm. and I had her write on opposite pages, you know, things that she knows she'll do really well in this role as a teacher because she was going to teach a, a class for her job for the first time. And she's like a very shy person, but she's a very wise person. Mm. And I think, you know, oftentimes society tells introverts, which Manif and I were saying, we get a lot of introverts for clients, um, tells them that they don't have value as communicators or their value perhaps is not on the same equal playing ground as an extrovert. So she went over all of like, and then that's something that Manif and I brought up too, is even though we're performers, you know, when, especially when we met, we talked about this as like, I sort of have more of an extroverted personality and then Maniva has more of an, but then when she, an introverted person, but then when she goes on stage, she is like diva. <laughs> like when she, when she's an opera, you know, when she does opera, it's like, wait, wow, what happened? Like, so maybe we're trying to bring that diva, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, just because you're one way doesn't mean that you can't practice and rehearse and train yourself to become a, a different way to fulfill a certain role or to fill a certain purpose. It could be short lived, but you could definitely do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's <coughs> one of those things that I, it's really what taught me how to be in the world. Like singing taught me mm -hmm. how to be a communicator, how to hold a conversation, how to, to be a presence in a room, not just on stage. Right. And so, yeah, that's something that is really part of what I really want to give to people is that, you know, yeah, practicing performance and practicing things can really, 
lend you tools to show up in a in the way that you really want to be you know and we think that that means that we're it's not who we are like if I'm not introverted and who am I right <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but it's really it has nothing one has nothing to do with the other right like I'm introverted and I am a dynamic performer and I'm okay with both. yeah and I can be both and I don't feel like I have to be a dynamic performer when I'm in introvert mode and I don't feel like you know I need to like take it down a notch if I'm supposed to be on stage, right? Like, yeah. Um, and giving yourself full permission to be whatever you desire to be in the world, you know? And that allow that to change. But also I would say like for my students and my clients and, you know, what I know of you and what, how we're going to talk today about, you know, the practice rehearsal performance stages is that maybe it doesn't look the way we always thought it did. Right. And so like, what is that? um, What is that preparation that doesn't involve going out of yourself? Like this kind of very aggressive or maybe like hyper-masculinized notion of, I have to push myself. I have to, um, you know, it's kind of like a violence, I think in a way, but our way, like, because I do consider, we consider ourselves both to be feminists and our, and we actually wrote this whole yeah. book chapter on like a feminist form of practice that is nonviolent and has to do with breath and has to do with um, an, an inside out way of exploring, which to me is like, could be so good for the introvert. And like, I think of the way that, that you integrate both of them, right? Well, to yeah. And generate energy to perform for sure because it's it's really I consider it like you know in my private space I consider it a superpower like my introversion allows mm-hmm. me to be in a diet before it's not in spite of right like mm-hmm. I'm okay with myself I'm okay by myself so on stage that means I'm okay being present I'm okay like being within myself and like like letting it be a small space, even, you know, like, so uh, that ability to allow the stillness is what allows the projection, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, yes. and, and that's really the, the trick of it. Like I can be super dynamic on stage because I don't require that of myself every moment of the day, right? <laughs> like, but if I thought I had to be an extrovert, then my, uh, my, impact on stage I think would be less you know I think of like okay I hope this isn't a weird comparison I hope you don't get offended but I think of like the way cats versus dogs expend energy (laughs) to do their big performance of like getting food Mm. right so Mm. (laughs) I think of the way you're describing it as like a cat so like a cat will like be very calculated and because I watch my cats do this all the time. Unfortunately, the big cat, the male cat does it to the female cat. So we're always like, (laughs) (laughs) but he'll like, you know, creep up on her and he's very calculated. And then he does this like dramatic, you know, jump off the couch and pin her or something, you know, (laughs) and then, and then maybe before that he's like running, they call it the zoomers. (laughs) I think they call it humorous. So there he's like running up and down yeah. the hall, you know, like and then in the wild, you know, large cats, they do the same thing. 
So they're preparing and they're very calculated and they just slowly keep creeping up. They, they're so slow that their prey doesn't realize that they're so close. And then they expend this amount, uh, an incredible amount of energy to get them. And it's a risk. And it's like, it is a calculated yeah, yeah. risk, but it is a risk. Many times they don't get the yeah, animal yeah. and then that's it. Then they don't have the energy anymore. It's very much like performance as compared to a dog. Okay. I don't know the dog as well, but what I do know, <laughs> a dog will just keep running, yeah. you know, it outruns uh, the prey. I hear you. Um, but think about like the difference between the cat and dog and the way we're talking about performance right it's like the cat is calculated it takes its time but then in the end it's this dramatic gesture that will um determine if it has performed successfully or unsuccessfully mm. right and it's a yeah, just like performance it's a risk true. but if you're the dog if you're the dog then you're you're constantly working and you're constantly trying to catch the thing that you need to get, mm. right? And that has taught me, like when I did my operetta, and maybe I can segue into yeah, my yeah, story now. Uh, when I did my operetta, there's like a very old way of preparing for performance, which is something that we do in our lives and we want to share with you. And then, um, or no, the new way, not the old way. Well, we want to share the difference between the old way and the new way. The old way is that kind of like, you know, um, more patriarchal, like, tough person sense of what it means to perform is that you have to muscle your way through it and you have to, you know, like face your fears. <laughs> it's like, you know, before you perform, you should face your fear, you know, like if you're afraid of heights, you should jump out of an airplane. And <laughs> But ours is the exact opposite. Um, oh my you know, ours is, you know, leading up to leading up to that point. So anyway, so when I, um, when I was, one of the times I was working with Manifa was on an operetta that we had co-created called um, No One Hurts You More Than yeah. Smother. And then the smother was an S-M. So there was like an S-M element mm. to it. And <laughs> I was smother. And um, the I'll just tell the little bit of the story. So the idea of, it was a feminist operetta. Um, partly based on the work of Luce Irigaray. And the notion was that Smother was given the role to mother all of humankind because she could, and she was kind of the only one who had the strength to do it. So she had that, what we now call invisible labor, emotional labor um, put upon her in that mother role. But um, she was not asked her consent to do that role. So she was constantly in pain um, and it was like, it's like an operetta about the trauma of being a woman in a patriarchal society, basically. Um, so it was a very intense role. And Manifa had written the lyric lines like out of my range. I wrote the melodic I, lines. You wrote the lyrics. I wrote the lyrics. Sorry. I wrote the lyrics. Manifa wrote the melodic lines and she wrote them out. Of what I had, I did not write them actually, out of her range. I wrote them within her range. <laughs> she, <laughs> she wrote them. She wrote them within what she thought my range was. But I had not actually done the singing to prove that that was in my range. So it is a little bit of a point of contestment. But the point is, is that it was really <laughs> scary because 
cases, I could only hit those notes. I think one was like a minor third from the high C, right? Did you have me go higher than that? Um, than the A flat? No. A flat five. No. Okay. Well, it was pretty high. It was high. not that high. Was, to me. It was, you're you're, you're it was excluding high. because it was from your, your new voice perspective. So like you think it was okay. like a super high note. And I'm pretty sure it was like an E. And you were just like, does it have to be that no. high? And I was like, it does if it was you want to express it in this way. Right? That was the point of a high note. It was a minor third. Well, anyway, it was a minor third from the high C, the one that everyone freaks out about. Okay. Anyway, that's not the point. Um, <laughs> the point is that right before my first show, I was freaking out. I just, something happened and I just, I was overwhelmed. So an, a couple other small parts about this performance is that there was a video installation where the person dropped out. So I was somehow editing mm -hmm. the video, which I didn't really to do the audio person dropped out so I was doing that uh you know at one point my friend said your program doesn't make sense and I spent all this time formatting and writing it so I rewrote oh, yeah, it I like that, the yeah. night before <laughs> it was like so many th I was doing so many things and then the some of the people that were doing production just weren't supportive so I was doing that and I was the main performer and I was playing three characters so <laughs> I, so yeah, you could, and I had a choreographer, which it, all of this was new. I had never been on the stage like this. I'd been on the stage as a singer, but never as an actor and like taking the lead and like having the weight of an, of the, all the yeah. roles, I guess. One woman showing. Um, and I was also playing. Huge deal. Yeah. I was playing different, under different. Anyway. So the night before I was freaking out and Manifa um, almost like she said, like she's supposed to run on the stage, but instead she want to run the other way. <laughs> so I was like, how am I going to do this? And she, instead of doing that old way of preparing, like what we said before, being the dog, right? Like running, running, yeah, running. She wanted to, do to catch your vocal, and then your vocal practice. I was like, no, your voice is tired. You're tired. You need to <laughs> shut up. And I'm kidding. <laughs> I probably didn't say that, but the, 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 we might have to delete that part. And then yeah. I. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Oh, so she told me to visualize the entire operetta, which was, a, it was about an hour, three times before I went to sleep. And I was like, that's going to take forever. It'll be, you know, three <laughs> in the morning or something. She's like, no, it won't. So I trusted her. She said, like, do your breathing, your regular breathing exercise, do that visualization. And so I did it. And it just kind of like, I spun through it, like my intention how the audience, how I wanted them to respond to certain, you know, moments, um, the songs, the music, everything. I just kind of ran through it. And when I looked at the clock, it was like maybe 15, 20 minutes had passed and I had gone through it three times. And so the next day I probably had, well, the second time there was things that happened with the production, but the first day I would say I'd have like the strongest performance because I was internally, you know, prepared. Yeah. And I would say it really taught me a lot, like how to pair, how to marry these practices that I was already doing with yoga and meditation. And these like high, some oftentimes high anxiety producing performances that, you know, a lot of you and like us um, have to do in our everyday lives. And how do you, it, you can do it in small ways too. So I don't know. 
Did you want to share more about a little more about breath? And then I can share a little bit more about visualization, just kind of like how we do this on our own and, you know, with our loved ones and people in our practice. Did you want to share a little more? Well, about that? I think, you know, only in the context of, um, well, you know, what we had already planned as far as talking about when you're, when you're preparing, right? Um, like, mm -hmm. and when you're preparing to enter to, you know, we're going to talk more about this, but enter any space really, but specifically right now talking about your voice space, like when you're preparing to practice, mm -hmm. um, and this is about you and your voice, that you have to start there. You know, you, you have to start with mm -hmm. your breath because your body changes. I like to say this a lot in my lessons. Your body changes every day, right? Like your, your <laughs> body changes not only every day, but especially for women, everybody, hour to hour. You're hungry, you're not hungry. You're thirsty, you're not thirsty. You're cold, you're not cold, right? Like, like there's a thousand things that change in your aspect of being every day and if you can't come to it as you are right now then you're going to have these expectations that may or may not come to fruition <laughs> depending on what day it is you know um and so it really is about like being present with your breath and your body on the day and the time that you've come to it right um yes. and so like and and so the breath that I've already mentioned of just breathing the practice is you just breathe all the way out as much as possible, as much air as possible. So literally getting rid of air and then going to S's, which mm -hmm. is until you can't stand it anymore. And the, and the reason why the yes. can't stand it part is so important is number one, S's simulate actual vocal sound. So it gives you that kind of feedback that there's some kind mm -hmm. of pressure in the body. And then also it yeah. um, makes you hold at the point of like no air, right? So holding mm -hmm. while you don't have air is actually very therapeutic. It's amazingly therapeutic. And um, when you really take like, like a full ownership of that, then it, it'll oh, yeah. just give you this nice quiet space to enter into it. And, and what we would call that in like meditation and stuff is just like coming like in, you know, into your body and like into stillness, you know? And so that to me is the point of practicing, right? It's coming to yourself, realizing um, yeah. that things might come that might be unexpected, but that's why you're here and really experimenting in that time. You may have music that you're learning, um, but you're seeing how your voice wants to sing the music you're seeing if there's you know what's more difficult about the music than uh, you know some parts than other parts you're seeing it's a very explorative exercise there should be like if you're already having expectations which is what I was trying to get rid of with the breath exercise <laughs> like if you're already having expectations <laughs> about something you haven't even fully experienced yet or if you even if you've done the music before and you're trying to take old habits and bring them into the new then you're not really you're not really like growing you're not bringing something new sure. to it you're not allowing for the possibility that it can be the best it's ever been right um and so and so like yeah so practice about new possibilities not about the old ones you know mm -hmm. And then even if yeah. you're rehearsing by yourself, the rehearsing part is like the ex, like 
what expert, what parameters do you want to hold true? Right? Like what parameters? Mm -hmm. I definitely want to feel this and like have this emotion come out in this part of the song. I definitely want this part to be loud so that, you know, it can be really exciting. I want this part to be really intimate and quiet, right? Like, like, you know, those are the parameters that you've chosen because of how you want the outcome to be. And that's more of a rehearsal space. So there's a little bit less experimentation with that, but not, not so much that, you know, you don't allow for new possibilities, right? And then the performance space, even if it's by yourself, you've already set those parameters. Like you might decide that the parameters are improvisation, right? So you might decide you don't actually have music, but I, you know, the parameters are that there are no parameters. Yes, right? Like, uh, <laughs> obviously not that person. I like preparation of some kind, of some sort. Um, but like, yeah, that's totally a choice you can make, right? But, and then to the extreme of like a performance that you have parameters not only set up for yourself, but for others, for the stage, for the mm -hmm. timing, um, for, you know, the music itself, obviously. But like when you're working with others, those parameters are very solid. This is your cue. This is your entrance. Yeah. This is your, right? Like this sure. is where you talk and you talk over here. And this is where you sing and you sing over there. Like they're very specific. If somebody misses their mark, it can change the parameters of the entire performance. Sure. And so when you're interacting with others, it's basically um, something that you want to get as right as possible, understanding that with that many humans in play, something's going wrong, right? <laughs> like you just have to expect that part, right? <laughs> I, ha I have an interesting part yeah. for that. Well, two things, maybe three things, I don't know. When you were talking about, um, you were talking about the stillness or you were talking about like the importance of the stillness in performance, I think that's a feminist thing that we've talked about too, is that it's not just all about the doing, but it's about kind of, and this is what they talk about in yoga. Mm. It's the being right. It's, it is that. And I actually didn't know this. Maybe I knew it in some sense, but I was at my, one of my yoga retreats at the ashram I go to. And one of the um, teachers said, you know, do you know why we do all of this? You know? And then in, when you're trying to sell something, you talk about the yeah, benefits, yeah. right? So you say like, doing it for health reasons we're doing it you know so we become more aware we're and he's like yeah we do it for those reasons but also like we do all these you know difficult postures and it's like um mm -hmm. it's a lot of work you know and it's a lot of work built up over time the whole purpose of doing all this is to get to the point of stillness so there part of our practice is just sitting silently for 20 mm -hmm. to 30 minutes um and it's the stillness. And after yoga, we go into deep relaxation. There's something called samadhi where it's a, and the Buddhism has this too. So it's like a state of deep relaxation where you feel at peace and you feel at one with mm. your surroundings. And it's a sense of bliss too, but it's not like this bliss that you get from being all riled up. It's a very peaceful, you know, bliss. So I think part of like what we're talking about too, and I think what Manifa is talking about is that performance, yes, it's you interacting with the world around you, which can be really scary. You know, I've been sharing about, you know, being 
uh, identified as queer lesbian and newly out. And that, you know, a lot of people are like, celebrate, let's celebrate. And I have somewhat, but it's also been really scary for me, you know, just to be out in the world um, as me now in this like new way. And I think in the way that we're talking about practice rehearsal performance, I think it's really important to think about, um, you know, how do you carry yourself out on your own when you're out there? Like, how do you feel about yourself? And when you do hit those performative highs, like you score really well in an interview or even a performance of a, you know, like some sort of test or, you know, something like that, or on the stage, it's not necessarily the accolades that you're trying to get. It's, you know, how comfortable did you feel with yourself? How good did you feel Mm. with yourself? Like when you got to a place of stillness after, how did that feel? And so I think the next step, maybe what we could talk about, and I could talk a little bit about is the visualization practice that I do. And that I do clients and that, you know, you shared with me, but I, you know, hadn't put it together with performance until that point. And the visualization is really cool because in the same way we think about the ephemeral, it's like, yes, it is about a world that's constantly changing. It is about being women in that constantly changing world and not, not just navigating it, but leading it, right? Like figuring out how to be leaders. So it is all of those things. It is about new possibilities. Um, But there, I mean, there are scary, (laughs) there's like truly scary things too. Um, but with those new possibilities, I think with visualization, like some of the things that I do on my own and I do with clients is not, uh, ignoring, um, the scary things or not ignoring the self-criticism necessarily. Um, but integrating it as part of that, um, and, you know, even just like watching it, right. Um, not necessarily pushing through it or trying to like right. get rid of it or expunge it, but recognizing it in your space and then doing yeah. what you want anyway, <laughs> right? So visualization, you know, like I think I had started talking about it and then I didn't finish, but with the woman who had the, um, all the things that she knew she could do really well as an introvert and then teach this class and then all the other side were like the things that she saw as challenges. And so to actually have them on in her notebook side by side, she could kind of cross see, you know, oh, this is a difficulty, but then she could see mm, a positive, yeah. right? This is a positive. But then at the same time, there's this difficulty. How do we exist in a space where there might be volatile people? There might be people who, you know, are not necessarily on your side. Um, the example that I had of uh, performance was um, public performance and just this me navigating a space out in public as someone who's newly out. And, you know, I think one of the first times I came out, I can't remember if I shared this in the last podcast, but I, I came out to the checker at Sprouts. And it was like, this really, it was really hard for me. You know, have you ever had an experience where like, you want to say something it's like bubbling, right. But you like, and you're scared and you like the words are there, but you can't quite get them out. I was like hot. I was like nervous. And I think the checkers, you know, I had the bag, the guy who's doing the bagging. He's like in high school. I was just like so nervous. You know, I had this plant for someone that I was dating. And then so 
that I wanted to give her for an event. And then I said, I called her my girlfriend. And so then I said that just so I could say it and then have the, you know, signal. Yeah. And then it was funny because he asked me originally, he's like, Oh, so are you buying this for your house? You know? And I was like, and then I said that I was so nervous. It just kind of blurted out. And I remember my face, I had this like funny face after where I was like scared. And he's like, okay, maybe you even hear me, but just, I think these are the performances that we're talking about too. Is like, how can you be in a space where you haven't quite come to be who you want to Mm -hmm. be yet fully, but through an admission, through a form of speech or an act or a gesture, you are, you are becoming that person, right? Maybe not all at once, maybe it's bit by bit, but it's also who you surround yourself with and the people you surround yourself with might not be the super supportive, wonderful, or they might be aloof or they didn't hear, they weren't listening, but how can you, how can you continue that practice? How can you continue that process of practice rehearsal performance and not be dependent upon the audience yeah. response, whether that's a public audience, audience or whether it's a theatrical right. audience, or right? And I think when it comes you're to interacting with is your stage. Yeah. Sure. Like the people on the stage, like what if you're performing something, like for example, for Smother, there were there was this and I feel fine saying it because it's been a long time, but there was like a guy who was supposed to be doing all the kind of like production stuff and he just really didn't do much at all. So we had to do it. It was (laughs) terrible. (laughs) And and, and points where like, it was like almost like a harassment thing that was happening. And so it was kind of bad. Yeah, it was really hard. It, It was terrible. So like, how do you get back to the place where, what is at the heart of the performance is, you know, you being comfortable on your own, you know, by yourself. Um, and that it is like the act itself that's creating the performance, not necessarily, well, you're not, might not get the response. Yeah. That I just, that you think, you yeah. Heard, and, right? and what that brings up for me is like, what, what parts of that can you prepare for? Right. Like, um, like, what mm-hmm. does that mean about like, what are your, your goals? It's just like, part of our thing. like, what are your goals and the practice thereof? Right. <laughs> like, um, yeah, because on stage, like, yeah, like, if somebody else misses their cue, like, how are you? How are you prepared enough that you mm-hmm. still know what's next? Right? Like, if somebody, yes, if something goes wrong, <laughs> right? Like, how have you like so well rehearsed those lines that you can now like think of like a way to improvise through what's going wrong and not lose track of what's actually happening on the stage. Like how prepared are you? How much have you really done the exploration and the accounting of what you want to do that, um, that the changing parameters don't um, take you out of your way of being, of, of what you've decided to do on that stage. Right. And that's why it's so important and I as think, a personal introspection, you know? I think that, I guess I didn't really talk about what visualization was, but I think you did. So that's great. But yeah, that visualization is, you know, uh, I call it in the, <laughs> this is my master's thesis. This is when I first talked about it. Um, I actually talk about it as a pre-performance. So it is the actual preparation that you do 
uh, to perform is how do you get to yeah, that yeah. point? Right. Oh, so I want to, I'm sorry, I'm diverting, but this, um, this is when I first met Luce Irigaray. So she oh, wrote me no. that I little can't read it because it's in French. Vacation. But okay. It says in Porto Roge, uh, May 6, 2010. That's oh, her name. So it's like she, I actually, I don't even remember bring. It's funny that I like brought this yeah, yeah, all yeah. the way to Sylvania. You know? <laughs> it was her idea. She's like, oh, let me sign it. And then she signed it on the. <laughs> part on breath because that yeah. was what we were talking about but yeah is I think what Manifa is saying is that how can we prepare internally for something that we're going to going to do on the outside and it's not just a selfish preparation it's also like recognizing the space around you or if you're in a production with multiple people and that could be like I don't know you're on a t- team at your work or something too. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to just be on the stage. Is how can you anticipate where someone might drop the ball and you have to right. pick it back up? So you're not reliant upon them, but you're not at the same time ice like doing things on your own completely where you're not aware of them. But you just know you can kind of visualize almost like a grid what's going to happen. Mm. How do you react? Right. That to me is where that the practice rehearsal performance, right. you know, kicks in. It's almost like like when I um, was doing these like, per, I don't know if it's the performance of coming out or whatever, but it's like me <laughs> rehearsing. Maybe like if I hadn't come out to my parents, I was rehearsing with the bag guy yeah, yeah, yeah. before I came out. Like why? Because there are no there's no real stakes with the bag person at Sprouts. Right. It's just like this right. isolated yeah, thing. Yeah, I explained you it know, as um, somebody but then like I... preparing, like a re- <laughs> preparing a role in a, like a small stage instead of like the first time you do Aida being in La Scala, right? Like, so like that, that yes. idea of like, okay, let me take a slur. Those stakes are a little less, like the national news won't be there. The, you know, then, you know. <laughs> Or like on the, um, like you might be on a smaller stage at church or with friends, you might perform it at a party. You know, I've done that before where I performed an aria I had to do for a recital at a party, you know, with friends, because I knew that the stakes were lower, but I still gave it my all as if I was on the stage. And I think that's something that we've talked about too, is how can you go through these stages and not just think you're like half doing it with the practice rehearsal right. and then the performance is when you really do it. Cause then what the performance and you're doing yeah. this really lame one that you did when you at, in your slippers, it's like, no, you have to do it every time. Well, you have to be huge. You because to- like, you know, if you're just practicing, this is the difference between like just practicing. Cause maybe one day I want to eventually sing something eventually. And the practicing with the idea, like, okay, I'm <laughs> performing this thing. Like, the efficiency of the practice gets sure. so much higher because there's not a maybe eventually it's like this is what's going to happen like what does it take for me to be comfortable yeah. with this happening right mm-hmm. and that's part of the visualization exactly. process right you're preparing for the performance in those stages that and that's why yeah. they're there right <laughs> so they're there for incrementally or you yeah. want to call it scaffolding what they talk about in teaching that 
you know, you give, you give someone, um, you tell someone something in a language that you know that they'll understand or the story that they share, and then you just add something and mm. you keep adding, right? And so you think of, and you just, so that's the rungs, you're just walking and you're going, rather than just like, <laughs> okay, go. And throw then you just out. like, you know, into this thing. Or, yeah, you just throw them from one space to the next and then they're there. Right. What do I do? And I think when people, you know, uh, performance, like stage anxiety or performance anxiety, that's what they're afraid of. I'm going to be unprepared. And this is things that my clients have told me, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to forget everything that I was supposed mm -hmm. to say. Right. Um, you know, these are the, I'm going to make a mistake. So these are like the three main things. I think, you know, I'm going to throw up. Well, I've had someone say that before. Yeah. I'll throw up. It's like, okay, well then it, <laughs> performance art. So now you've just crossed. That's like really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, we can think about it is that performance is not necessarily that far from something we do every day. Like I was telling Manifa when I, we kind of came up with those categories of the personal, the artistic and the professional, right? The professional is kind of more what I do because I work with all kinds of people, professionals mm -hmm. and students too, a little bit, but um, is thinking about like, how do you do this? you know, every day anyway, is that you might think, you know, in terms of the personal, you have something difficult you have to say to a family member, or maybe you have to set a boundary or so you might, and it's really hard because that person is, has a very strong personality. So you journal first, that's your practice. You write out your script and you kind of like say it to yourself. You might rehearse it to a friend and have that person pretend to be the family member. And then yeah. you do the performance. You recite this thing to the family member and then for the professional I thought of an interview and you know the kind of work that people do here so I actually went for rehearsal I'm like I'm pretty serious about it and because of my performance background so I actually have them go outside <laughs> actually the last woman I said that to she's like you know that they usually come and get you right I was like okay well the waiting room's downstairs I don't want to have so anyway I have them go outside and then I like prepared yeah. as the interviewer and then they knock on the door. I go, right. and we rehearse yeah, the whole yeah. thing like it would happen. And they get nervous. So we, we prepare too, and they practice yeah. with me, and yeah. it's me. <laughs> and then her, this faux interviewer, and then we do, and then the interview, the actual interview, and then we recap. And then for the well, arts, I don't know. It's very similar in that, wanna... like, because uh, what, what the personal thing reminded me of is that. Um, the part of the practice is, yeah, what words do you want to say, but also the envisioning of how you want to feel. People like forget this all the time. They're scared yeah. that they're going to be um, nervous yeah. or scared that people won't get it, right? They, they're, they're not going to understand them. They're scared that it's going to cause an argument or whatever. So all of those things are like, yeah, you're already like projecting those things into the future um, from the aspect sure. of fear. If you decide, like, mm -hmm. like, what would this look like? Now we're like exploring, like, what would this look like if they really heard what I was saying? What would this feel like if like for mm -hmm. the first time, like they understood who I am and they were like still able to love me for yeah. it? What would this look like? Like preparing and sure. visualizing what you want to happen, not what you don't want to happen. 
Um, mm -hmm. And so like even yes. in performance, it's very important, especially in singing, because singing is all mental, right? Like if you're already projecting, you're mm -hmm. going to miss the note, then you have positioned yourself into a place yeah. where you will miss the note, right? Like your, your vocal, well, you're holds, your vocal, note. you know, voice box will actually position itself into a position. Like it'll, it'll lift wow. because you're anticipating not making it, right? And yeah. so, yeah, so that's why it's very important. That's why I say like voice is like the easiest way to practice manifestation, like what, what you want to happen because it will tell you what you're thinking yes. probably way earlier than you wanted to know. Like <laughs> it just is as an mm -hmm. immediate response to whatever you're thinking. So if you're thinking like how... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is working. I don't know. I don't like the way this feels. I don't know. Then your voice is going to sound like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Sure. And especially because the voice is so subtle and you can pick up more than any communication on how mm -hmm. like someone is feeling and people don't think you can, but especially if you know someone like, you know, immediately when something is wrong and they don't know that, you know, but you can hear yeah. them on the phone. You're like, what's wrong? You know, right away. And it's the, it's the same with singing. It's just you're exaggerated because now yeah. you're actually projecting. For sure. So you project not just, not just the actual materiality of the voice, but it's the yeah. emotion of the person. I think it, that's true for all, uh, all of the stages and all the venues that we're talking about for, um, you know, for the practice rehearsal performance is that it has to be, and I think that's something that Manifa and I, it's been a part of our performance process and now like a part of our business too, is like making sure the whole person right. is acknowledged. Right. And then our task is we have to show right. up as whole people as well. And same when we perform, when we perform, we have to yeah. show up as whole people. And, and that's the thing, like just because you've chosen a character doesn't mean that you're not bringing yourself into the arena. Um, Sure. Like just because you've chosen yeah. the parameters of the expression doesn't mean that, you know, you can't, you, you can't breathe into that space and like be present there. Um, mm -hmm. And that, go ahead. And that, can I add something? Mm -mm. Am I, will I interrupt you? Okay. <laughs> so it's funny because we have this flow back and forth, but then like, I don't always have that with people. So, but um, what I was going to, and then now I kind of forgot what I was going to say <laughs> into that thing. No, I think what I, oh, oh I know, because this is what we were talking about before is you're saying, I'm saying that we have to show up as whole people. But again, that doesn't mean that we think we're like, we're some, at the, like we're at the status on of pillows. perfection already. Yeah, but that's, and yet, <laughs> and yet we are approaching no, no. it in the fact that as clear as we are in this moment, it's as perfect <laughs> as we are going to attempt to be. Well, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think also of a good performance is being authentic, being genuine and being human. So for example, um, well, I have like, a couple of, one example is that when Minifa we had done the first podcast. I didn't know that the thing was on, that it, it was streaming. And so um, I had just got this new haircut. And so I was like doing it like for a really long time. And then when I looked back, you know, I actually was just laughing, laughing because Munifa was just like, and then she was like, I was really cute because we saw me. I don't know why you didn't tell me, but the point, <laughs> the point was is that you might have, you might have a performance 
like the performance event, the moment where you're supposed to go into high gear yeah. and all these things go wrong. And so you feel like yeah. your things aren't right. This is when like the type and the perfectionist has to just like right. go out the door and then the other person, the crap person has the to flow. come in. And so like, and so like, how do you maintain yourself? Maybe you don't feel whole. You don't feel ready. Like you just got to like go with yeah. what you've got. Right. And a lot of times it will end up a lot better than you well, think, but you really don't have so a choice. Much so of that it's just like, that you, you you of mine that I was in the middle of uh, Aria yes. and <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know what you're Aria, about. and like <laughs> it was supposed to be a, a you know, I mean it was a happy Aria, but it was like a real situation where I was supposed to be like yeah. sitting down in this chair and everything's sure. super flimsy because it's like a cheap production or whatever. <laughs> and like, so I yeah. I bumped the table because I have a big butt and I hit the table and like the plastic stemware <laughs> um, flies off the table and like. <laughs> all of that like so why the thing I thought is like why did they have so many and they're like I mean the only thing that would have been worse is if they would have like stacked them in a triangle or something I I do that it was so so uh, luckily like my my character's like happy go lucky anyway so I was just kind of like I just kind of popped up because I was I had to do another another move for my (laughs) staging anyway so I just like immediately went to this into the next staging while picking up the cups like I I got I popped up to bring the cups back sure. to the table and then I just moved into the next I think it's that you that you started cleaning up while you were singing the, the aria. hilarious part was that like it was still it was supposed to be a funny aria like it was supposed to be funny not necessarily for that reason but it was supposed to be funny and so like most of the people did not realize that it wasn't part of what was supposed to happen and you said you I know I you remember knew because I had that I authentic moment of like, <laughs> like something I would do in real life which is yeah. like holy shit like, yeah I saw it I knew I knew it in your personal yeah. and then I was seeing it on stage and I it was all to be fair I was it was a small yeah, venue right, so right. I was like right in the front so but yeah it was like yeah I remember that <laughs> so distinctly because I was so sure everybody was like you know, like totally knew how wrong everything had went. And it was so hilarious. Like nobody brought it up. Nobody, like it was, it was amazing. But that's like, and when you're committed to the character and you're committed to, and you already know the process, like you can be the only one that knows that things aren't going according to plan. Yeah. Sure. And that's okay. Like even, so like as a musician, we know this, right? And we've talked about this is that let's say you go through a whole opera or you, for me, cause I've mostly performed jazz. So um, like I missed my cue or I sang the wrong note or, you know, I tried to improvise <laughs> and it just did not go as well as I thought, you know, but like, let's say most of the audience just hears your voice and they enjoy your voice and they want to compliment you. And so you, they come up to you after and, forever I would even with smothered I put so much work I put everything into it and I remember being so critical someone would say something and I would say something critical it was like Mm -hmm. you don't do that you know so um you know giving yourself if when you underperform or you feel like you feel like you underperformed but 
the people, so this is kind of the opposite of what I'm talking, was talking about before. Like when you perform, you don't get the response you want. What if you, the response, it's the same. You're not getting a response you thought you were going to get, yeah. but it's actually more positive than you thought yeah. you deserved. What do you do then? Like how do you, how do you see someone else's perception of what you did and their experience and what they took, like, yeah. you know, how they respond to process. it and honor and not go into your I mean, that's the process, right? Like, at least for me, like, I have huge senses of imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I can't, I'm not going to go into that story, but it, it, it was a long time. It took me a long time to acknowledge myself as a singer and even longer to acknowledge myself as an opera singer. Yeah. And, but it had never been a thing where somebody wouldn't come up and be like, oh my gosh, your voice is so beautiful. And oh my gosh. And like, knowing like in myself like what I had in my expected expectations of my practice and what I wanted to happen in performance like um being so far from from what I from what I wanted and then the only thing that fixed that for me and it's something I still work on um is that I'm not going to ruin somebody else's experience because I had a different expectation. Yeah. I want them to take as much from that experience as earthly possible. And if they thought it was the God's truth then you know, great, then that means it meant something to you and you (laughs) are able to go from here happier or whatever. Right. And so like, that was my first thing. It's like, okay, I'm never, I'm never going to like take somebody else's moment from them because I'm, being self-conscious right uh, or you're like it was my moment then mm-hmm. it could also be like a selfish not thing but not it, intentionally it but like it's this is well when you perform you're hyper focused on yourself right like you're focused on getting it right and you can be well, very self-focused and when you go out there you're still in it right and then you forget that each person is well, having and this their is what makes a better performance too. as well. Like the problem a lot of times with all the nerves and anxiety is because we're so focused on ourselves, right? Like if you focus more yeah. on like rather why, than outside, like this music is beautiful or the this, connection, you know, whatever, whatever on yeah. who, right? Like these people are coming here for this amazing sure. experience. I can't wait to share this amazing music with them. I can't wait to share these yeah. emotional highs and yeah. lows with them. You know, if you're you're thinking about the others, then it's not about you. Again, this is something that that yes. as an introvert, like the so only way we can come to stage, which again is one of our super strengths. Like, you know our superpowers <laughs> is that, you know, it's the only way we can come to the stage was what we bring so well to the stage is that it's not about us. Like we aren't exactly, this is not our most comfortable moment. Mm-hmm. Our most comfortable moment. We're going to actually talk about this later, but our most comfortable moment is actually in practice. Like what endears us to the art is the practice, yeah. not the performance. And so like when you're on stage, it really is just because you feel like you have gained so much from what you've done that you need to share it, right? Like, that's the point. And like, and I, if you're not in that space, then you're inviting a ton of anxiety and ton of nervousness. And yeah. if you can breathe with, breathe with that sure. and like through that and then re-acknowledge, you know, what, again, is your intention? What are you here to do? What emotions do you yeah. want to share? What does this mean to you and what would you like it to mean to others right 
then you can be still with that, right? And I, I think maybe that's a good place. Yeah, so yeah. we're at about 106. And I'm thinking that might be a good place to kind of segue to the last thing that I was going to talk about. And I For want sure. it to be a conversation about um, like, how do we bring this back? And, you know, um, so like Luce Irigaray's book, somewhere <laughs> over here, um, Speculum of the Speculum of the Other Woman, um, a lot of people read it from back to front instead of front to back because they feel like that's hmm. actually the order of the book, which is interesting. Um, and so in the spirit of that, I'm thinking about how do we go backward? So we all, you know, mm. a lot of times we think chronological, we think like, you know, this, the practice happens and then the rehearsal and then the performance, but it doesn't always necessarily mm -hmm. end up that way, especially when you're unprepared, right? Like I said, you end up in a situation, yeah. you have to perform and this could be a public performance, although it could be a stage one, like someone invites yeah. you to something and you don't exactly know what it is and you couldn't visualize or you're just an and you get there. Right? Like, like you've never done it before and you didn't realize yeah. this like, is what I'm, performing means, right? Like, yeah, this is going to help you grow. Like yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. I could do, do that, you know, like, um, and so going thinking of these things as commingling even like in the spirit of ephemeral you know before we had talked about it's something that's constantly fleeting but it's also something that has to do with our being and our becoming so it's something that we are hoping mm. like through this practice um and developing our own practices that it's something that we can make last right and that it can just be a state that can mm. be there for us when we need it so Thinking about that and thinking kind of about everywhere you go as being like a, a type of stage. Um, I was thinking about something that Manifa and I had talked about and was brought up in a, a book chapter that we had uh, both participated in about a yoga mat and this being a different kind of performance. But to me, like I said, it commingles all three stages, a yoga mat being a small stage and questioning the idea that you're always performing for an audience. Because all a performance really is, is repeating a gesture, speech, or voice over and over mm. to get a desired result, right? That's really what, I mean, that's what I see performance as. And to me, that is all of practice, mm -hmm. rehearsal, perform. it's all three together. So if we go to the heart of that as breath, also as the part of the ephemeral, because it's both the basis for speech, vocalization and gesture, we need breath to make those things happen. Um, then we can think about that being the very heart of what it takes oh, to yeah. become a good performer out in the world and stage two. And so when we think about that yoga mat, mm. it's a small stage and it's a stage that re repetition of breath that we could hold inside and be anxious mm. or we could speed up right or we could be shallow in breath and not really get what we need to do these performances is that you actually can go to what I sound like I'm this <laughs> cult person so but I, 
I'm not. She's just on my mind right now because we're talking about this. But, uh, and I, whatever, I, I do like, I love her a lot. So, um, but <laughs> she talks about in, um, in her book, Between East and West, that there is an instinctual breath that we feel like we can't, we kind of can't control. And then there is a, um, a controlled or cultural breath that we can control. And it is the That's thing that prepares right. us for those performances, right? And so I think, you know, maybe we can think about that is that, you know, um, and also mentioning, we didn't mention, I was going to mention the beginning that it's International oh, yeah. Women's Day. Some Happy. people have classified yeah. it as International <laughs> Feminist Day. <laughs> so when... <laughs> So when we take these breaths in, we have an intention for ourselves, right? Singly and not necessarily doing a performance to be seen or to yeah. uh, have an effect or an end oh result, God. but it's a process. You're speaking my life right it could, now. It could be all, you, <laughs> you could have a, a huge room with all, all uh, everyone's performing, but they're doing their own thing internally. Right. So there are all these little stages and that's kind of why I brought up the international women's day is like part of what we're doing today. And that we're going to try to do ongoing, especially with this theme of the ephemeral with femme and femininity identities, um, and these performances of identity is how can we sustain ourselves, um, on our own, you know, I think of this a lot now being like newly out single for the first time in a really long mm. time, like out in the scary world. Uh, how can I continue my practice, but on my own, but then also mm -hmm. find a way to be with others, right, but have like good boundaries and have a way to share practices, you know, not be not have like codependent, because I feel like you could have a codependent Anybody. experience. With oh, yeah. Someone you just met, well, you know, because yeah, because any interaction. You don't have because that. if if you need the interaction to I'm have sorry. the experience, then that's codependency, right? Like, and that's why again, sure. you're just speaking my life right now because my my goal is to convince people that that singing that practice is is not for the sake of performance first. It's for you first. It's for you to know yourself, to yeah, know you sure. and your voice, to know you and how who you want to be, and to know you and and know that you can be confident in how you want to show up, as in your your speech or your actions sure. or in anything, like how you can be more confident in what you expect and want to be um, by understanding yourself mm -hmm. and your voice, and like. Like that's what practice brings to. That's what a yoga practice. That's why we call it a practice. I feel like I've never been able to truly explain it before, but that's exactly what it is. It's coming to every moment as a performance of who you want to be. With each yeah. and something Manifa said a long time ago that always stuck with me, and I use it as sort of like a motto and philosophy for my life. And you said it with singing, but it's also about breath too in these kind of like this preparation that we're talking about is that um, is re and I actually used it with a client recently resetting right re refreshing resetting so like if you're a singer and 
you start getting stressed out and like your shoulders start doing this. And then you're like, like for me in the computer, I'm like, like I'll look at myself and I'm like all hunched over. (laughs) And so I, I had told her, I'm like, um, we were doing stuff with speech and with accent. And so I was like, how, but we were focused on the diaphragm and really feeling the vibration of the sound. And so that she could speak from that really, especially for women, this is like, this is like our stronghold, right? Um, but I think also that notion of like, go with your gut and yeah, all of that. Well, it's that, go ahead. You could speak to that better than me. Totally. Yeah. Well, it's more like that is cool. And, um, <laughs> but, but I mean, it's, that, like, yeah, it's not literally good. Feel, but honestly, sure. it's your womb. It's wherever, yeah. you know, and, and that's just, uh, if you know anything about chakras, that's just energetics, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's that, it's the womb and the seat of your mm. being you yeah know, like your energy source and everything and so like if you can use and be connected to that um in your breath and in your body then your sense of authority is sure innate. it's not dependent sure. upon other like, people and their response positioning yeah yeah and then we call it in yoga it's the um I can't really do it in this chair, but you can. <laughs> okay, I keep. I don't know why I keep doing that. It's like this. So um, I wanted to yeah, actually get too. on the That's ground and, yeah. and get on the ground and show you. But in yoga, um, so you're sitting straight up, and then you're in this uh, half lotus or full lotus position where the. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just gonna show you again. I hope this. So I'm like my foot is up on my leg. Yeah. I don't know if I could do the full lotus right now because I'm in a chair, but. Right, um, right. The point of doing that is so you can situate yourself. So your perineum, which is like the center of where you're seated, is on the ground. And when you do that, I I don't know really if it's really or not, but in my mind, it's real. Um, (laughs) Like you're rooted, but, you know, in Western culture, we've kind of been taught to close that part of ourselves off, that grounding part. And I guess, I don't know a lot about chakras, but it probably has to do with the chakras yeah too, it's your root what, chakra. You're, what you're talking about yeah uh, I've studied that much less but um and I think grounding is also a very essential part of that grounding. like that's why a lot of retreat centers and all that like they do this outside they do this yeah on the ground literally well and then with yoga the energetic process if this better. if I was doing in this more of a yogic way like I wouldn't be in this chair I would be on the ground right like with my mat and we'd be maybe we will do that another time (laughs) do like Matt Matt the Femmo podcast I told you my first mat I got from Shannon Yao I think and to be to be fair I think well I didn't exactly steal them I probably shouldn't say that but what happened was I did tell them to come get them so I I used to teach a performance class in the way that we're talking about performance right now with these like individual yoga mats um I would teach a performance class with yoga which was I thought it was awesome a lot of my students loved it so actually when you went to the bookstore you had to buy a yoga mat it was required or you could bring your own right and so at the end of the semester, I'm like, hey, everyone, because they would store their mats in this cabinet. I'm like, come pick up your mats, come pick up your mats. Next semester, mats are still there, students are gone. So then I end up with like 20 mats. Oh, no. And so the mat you got were, I think they were from those students because I just had like, yeah. and then I would just give them to people because they wouldn't come get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My 
first one for sure. I think the second one might the girl might have gotten it, but oh. but yeah, like but yeah, it's something it's something that I I use all the time, and that yeah, that that they make full permission of using your practice as the mm-hmm. performance. Yeah, because it brings everything to you. And that's why I say like, you know, most of us need the, the outside yeah. thing to validate the need to practice, right? But you can create your own sense of efficiency if you know that it's going to make you a better person. And you can right? enjoy the practice. So, you know, to me, and I wrote about this in my, more so in my dissertation, but I was leading up to it with my thesis is mm-hmm. these performances of self-care, right? So self-care doesn't mean you're projecting stuff for people to approve of you. It's the opposite. It means that you're by yourself because when you practice, you have to be by yourself so you can focus. You're by yourself and you're doing something to take care of yourself. So wouldn't it be cool to integrate that idea of self-care, not just like, I'm taking a bubble bath. I remember going through (laughs) when I was in my 20s and all my friends my woman friend, I think they must, I, they might've all been heterosexual, but they were like, go take a bubble bath, go paint your toenails. And I was like, right. is that really going to help me feel? <laughs> so I remember doing it and just being like, this is not working. Later when yeah. I found yoga and then eventually when I started singing, I real, and then my teacher had said, it's like 90 something percent practice. And then it's like two to 4% performance. You know, people flip it. They think mm. I'm practicing. So like when we say that you should be present and you should be here, it doesn't mean like you're looking a certain way so that other people will find you engaging or desirable or whatever <laughs> right, thinking right. you're doing. It's like, we want you to feel solid and comfortable in yourself right. so that when you go out, yeah, you may be attractive and have those things, but it's not because you're trying to, that's right. not the which That's is still the, tempting the, nowadays with oh, social yeah, media, right? Like sure. it's still tempting just to do the thing to say, you know, like how look how look how cool looks, look how I, I am. look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and now I'm gonna post um, like ten. It's, I a, mean, it's a big trap. It's a sure. huge trap. But yeah, like because if it's not, if it's and this is how I like to call it, it's like it's not about the practice as much as that. Does it restore you? Yes. So do I think uh singing practice can be useful for everybody yes is it restorative restorative is a good word i wouldn't probably not right yeah like so even like if you go and try yoga and granted you might have a wrong teacher it can be a lot of things but if you Mm -hmm. have a desire to yoga yeah (laughs) then (laughs) then you probably will find the right teacher eventually or probably all that kind of stuff and that means that you are drawn to it because something in you yeah was restored by it yeah right and it's the same thing with singing like if even if you've never sung a note in your life if you like if you keep being if it keep comes keeps coming up in your life or you keep wishing you could sing mm-hmm. if you keep you know like it just sounds like something would be nice to do right like mm-hmm. and do well right sure and it's something that's calling you as a practice not 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 like necessarily so that you can be a performer yeah but because it can be a restorative practice for you yes yeah Yeah. so maybe so we're now so I was actually just thinking as you were talking so Manifa Manifa and I 
were, I shouldn't do quote. Why am I doing quotes? We were preparing last night for the <laughs> podcast and we talked, I think we talked for like four or five hours. It was a really yeah. long time. It was so well, and we were talking about so much different all, stuff. So. We're talking about all kinds of different things, like right. you know, my personal life. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it, but fun stuff around things I'm yeah. discovering and psychological theories. Just like yeah, <laughs> um, like <laughs> we have all kinds of things we're talking about. So. For a long time but so a lot I feel of this like... is just us sharing with you like how brilliant we are when we're by ourselves <laughs> oh, but we didn't that was the preparation for this performance and maybe the rehearsal yes. but we didn't a lot of the things were subtext to what we're talking about right now so they're kind of under the surface we're not we didn't talk about thank goodness we didn't talk about all that stuff yeah yeah no so now was, every now everyone's gonna be level. really curious they're like what was it this is a good yeah. cliffhanger for next time um well you keep sticking with us we're going to get you to the point <laughs> that we'll be talking about this other sub layer and you'll be like wow we're all so deep no like, they'll be like why did you tell us it. that we're traumatized <laughs> why did you say though why did you share that much with us we um we weren't ready. <laughs> I think we at like scaffolding, we're going to have to prepare people. Yeah. That's a, okay, so uh, we had some ideas for the next episode, but we're not sure yet. And yeah. some of the ideas well, I still I, like it because we talked about it a little bit. It did come up introversion, extroversion. Like, and I think we can create that around that idea of creating the space, right? So like, if we are talking about performance in this more feminist way and intersectionally feminist way, I think it's really important to speak to. So not just focused on certain type of feminism or a certain type of woman, but yes. focused, focused on all women, idea of what feminist means. women of color, focused on issues of disability, focused on, you know, issues of domestic violence and queerness and, um, you know, all types of bodies, uh, gender non-conforming as well. I think it's really important. Well, and then maybe we to can say get that into all some of that, that sub-layer thing because yeah. like for me, it's about like the energetics of that and um, why we keep assigning like these energies as complete statuses yes. you know, when it's a mix of things for sure. each, and what, each of us and sure. like better understand our own versions. I think that's- how we better perform them. It's like, what am I doing? I think that's where the uh, intersection, <laughs> no, I'm trying to do an intersection <laughs> with my hands. I'm not trying to look. So I think that's where the inner, you know, Kimberly Crenshaw's intersection talks about, you know, yeah. she's focused, she was focused initially on, you know, African-American women and making sure that African-American and women were cross-section to talk about um, prejudices and violences that were committed against them, but not being able to talk about both race and gender together. But since then it has, in my view, That's not so everyone's, evolved. it's ex expanded to include all of these other categories um, of injustice that happen. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, we're kind we are talking a lot about sort of like these practices, but you know, this is part of what we want to focus on. And so, okay, I'm just going to tell you, I haven't told you yet, but 
I, a little, <laughs> you look so scared. Well, I feel like you said, well, maybe you didn't. I, my memory was that you announced at the end that we were going to talk about practice rehearsal performance. And I was like, okay. I was like, whatever. She didn't even ask. So now I'm going to do this. So my idea for our next episode is that we continue to talk about these feminist uh, practices of performance. And our focus is on how to create spaces where differences can exist right, together. And not to go back to it, but I will. Uh, Eric Gray talks about that notion of having that breath, which if you want to call it restorative or you want to call it cultural, it's mm. a practice of breath that is still performance, but it doesn't have any content in it. It's neutral. It doesn't have speech. It doesn't have voice. It doesn't have gesture necessarily. The breath is its gesture. So it has to be solo, but it can also be done together. But you're all, you're always on your own, but you're together alone. Right. And this is part of what I was talking about. Now I'm like the fawns. This is like part of what I was talking about um, with last night was like what I'm learning about in this new queer social world are like different types of boundaries, which I think are so awesome for me. But it's also like a learning curve yeah. for me because I right. was in a couple for so long in this very traditional couple. And so um, like with my new queer friends, like their boundaries are just so good. And there are ways that I'm learning how to be on my own again and feel like really happy to be on my own and then sharing time with them and feeling support, but not have those codependent relationships, which goes yeah kind of what you said about performance, like performance not being like, my sense of self is predicated upon how you respond. And so therefore I am going to act in a certain way that, um, what is the word? I'm gonna act in a certain way that will make you respond in a way to favorably so that I get what I need, right? Which is like- Right, that's what I'm next about. Yeah, but we're always yeah. doing that because we've been conditioned. So what Manifa and I want to do, and this is what I'm proposing for the next episode, is we focus on that notion of space and creating spaces. And part of that is like, you're in my differences, right? Like Manifa um, identifies as heterosexual. And, and we ask you if you can come up with a better term with that, because Manifa thinks it's not cool. Because I have all these cool terms. It sounds she, so boring. Yeah, she was just like, <laughs> like really? <"Sun> and <laughs> They've been using I'm, that. It's I'm like, gender normative. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it was kind of. So she like, wants some more interesting things. Um, for that, so she's I wanted. Her, to, I thought I could. I thought you know what it was. Because I thought I could call myself. What was that word? Shoot, I for, I've forgotten. So basically, no, no, no. I thought I could call <laughs> myself um, a, a what do they call it? Something, something. Something. Oh, and woman, so, like, can I say something? And you were like, no, no, that doesn't mean that. Oh, oh cis, <laughs> cis, cisgendered. I was like, oh, that one sounds cool. I'm still gonna be doing that I'm one. Like, that's and not what like, that no, means. No, that's not. That means it. That's an idea that you're like born a woman, right? In this. Yeah. But yeah, that's not. She. It was. Yeah. And I'm saying stuff like sad. that all the time to people. I'm like, does this mean this? You know, like someone said they were. <laughs> someone said they were a gold star lesbian, and I was like. Is that the shoe polish? But actually, it's something completely different. Um, 
Oh, and then the other thing I was going to say, this is getting unrelated, but um, <laughs> this is, there's also this notion of like in film and literature and art, and I guess maybe opera too, there's this notion of like the solo renegade person, like the solo rebel, it could be rebel without a cause, but I, uh -huh. so my challenge is like, how can I be femme and like be a single femme woman and be seen as solo and, but then also be like really cool, like those people. So um, <laughs> we, were talk we were talking about that last last night. Don't you remember? We were talking about the hanky. The what? The hanky. No, I'm not talking. They're going to totally misunderstand what you're saying <laughs> if you just say the hanky. Okay, we're getting into, no. okay, we should probably go because we're getting into like inside joke realm which can be charming but it can also be really annoying right um so been here long enough okay so yeah so you kind of know we're going to talk we're going to talk about spaces where differences can exist and where you can build up to the point to where you know you can be yourself and be out in the world um as yourself but then also not be dependent upon the responses of those around you or that around you to reflect who you are. How do you have that autonomy, right? That's kind of like yeah. where we like to end things, I think. Yeah, and then how can sure. you be a solo, a solo renegade femme? Solo renegade femme. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what we're going to end with. Okay. Okay, so we'll see you next time. This is Shannon Wong Learner, communication specialist, and Monifa Harris, voice coach. Thanks for having me. And this was Ephemeral and the podcast Voice Matters. We will see you next time and or hear you if you're not watching us, but you should watch us because it's entertaining. Okay, <laughs> bye. <Shut up. laughs> bye.